You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we're talking the Utes running over Colorado what bowl games Utah could be going to, and then a little bit of basketball with the running Utes. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. Howdy, howdy, howdy. So the season's over. Utah finishes 6-6, six and six, but man, they, and I should say Zach Moss, just ran over Colorado. They come away with the victory 34-13. to 13. What a great win, I mean, you finish six and six, but when you have a game that's on the line to go bowling, and this team responded, it was great to see. It was a great atmosphere that night. He literally ran over people. I mean, this is the point of the podcast where you insert the Batman soundtrack. Pow! Cow! <laughs> Bam! So he finished with Wowzer! <laughs> uh, Zach Moss had twenty six carries for one hundred ninety six yards. He eclipsed a thousand yards for the season, which in a couple games it was that was out of reach. It looked like, but he pulled it together, and and man, I can't say enough. Moss came to play, and and he, and he brought it. He really did. And when you think, I mean, you, you you kind of alluded to the fact that there were only a couple of games where he actually had really big games, and you think about some of those games. He had 12 carries, 16 carries, and you think, how did he, how did he get to 1,000 yards? But just, I mean, look at the potential going into next year. I mean, that's, I mean, there's a lot to look forward to. Yeah, a career high, 197 yards, and I mean, he was, he was creating holes that were not there. I mean, he, he was unbelievable. By far his best game as a youth. Yeah, you look towards next season. I mean, you you we know what we have in Moss. Devontae Henry, Cole's back. Shine's coming back. Um, you know, TJ Green, who uh, redshirted this year, not to mention there's some, some pretty highly Greg Bell is the number one rated uh, JC player, a uh, running back who just visited last weekend. Potential, we'll see if we can get him, but... Running back is stacked. Well, we'll see if Troy Taylor gives him the ball. Because <laughs> when Huntley's in there, their carries seem to go down quite a bit. Well, well let's let's talk about that. The difference between Huntley at the helm and Troy Williams. Now, granted, you know I don't want to go over the top here. This was one game with Troy Williams where he had other opportunities this year and didn't fare as well, or, you know, um, he had some decent games, but uh, he, he also... He really didn't throw the ball that much in this game. He had some nice passes. I mean, that deep one down to, down the sideline to Singleton was a very well-thrown ball, but he didn't really throw the ball that much in this game. Well, he was he was 15 of 24 for 181 yards. So, again, yardage-wise, nothing impressive, but when you run the ball for over 300 yards on the ground... You really don't need to be passing. All he was that manageable, much. right? Exactly. What, what we know from Troy Williams from last year. He was he was doing he was his manageable. best Alex Smith impersonation. <laughs> Hand the ball off, manage the heck out of the game, and get a W. And but but you, I think it'd be interesting to talk a little bit about 
the offensive line in the running game looks has looked better when Troy is at quarterback versus with Tyler Huntley. And I think it comes back to the RPOs, the type of running game that we go with when Huntley is the quarterback. And I think, Scott, you made a point on the podcast a few weeks ago that Moss looks like he is better when he knows he's getting the ball. And the O-line blocks better when they know who's getting the ball and what hole they're going to. And maybe another, you know, now that the season's over, they have a year in this offense, they'll have an off-season, maybe those nuances that Troy Taylor likes to run, that that offensive line can can, can figure it out a little bit better. Yeah, because they they looked really good in that game. I mean... uh... I don't think much of us know the intricacies of O-line play and the schemes behind it, but Hans Olsen did a great job uh, today breaking down, uh, doing some film review of the O-line in the running game, and and he was praising the O-line, how well they played, how cohesive they played, and, uh, you know, going forward, Huntley's going to be Huntley, but if Huntley continues to play like this, are we going to get him for five games or are we going to get him for 12? Because if he continues to run the ball 25 times a game and put his body in harm's way, game after game after game, as little as he is, he's going to wear out. And then you're on to your backup. And next year, we're not going to have a fifth-year senior as a backup. No, I, I completely agree with you. But there's nothing – I mean, the the offense that they ran with Troy the other night – can be run with Huntley. I mean, oh, of course it can. Troy, Troy Williams ran the ball several times himself with success, more success than I think he had last year. Well, he had a couple touchdowns with his feet. Yeah, and almost three. That last one right before the end of the game. So I don't know. I think you can you can run that same type of offense with Huntley and keep him more healthy. Than running him. Oh, I think you can, but will you? Oh, I mean, I I, that's got to be up to Troy Taylor, right? With with his play calling, with his scheming, what he wants to do, and hopefully, you know, I made a joke on on Twitter that oh, Troy Taylor's sticking with the run for the first time this season. Uh, hopefully, Troy Taylor is getting more comfortable in in running those in running that type of offense and calling those types of plays. Yeah, and I, I think he is, but I, I, what we saw on Saturday was really Utah football. It's what we've come to expect. Run the ball, control the game, play good defense. I mean, that first half was lights out. We were very efficient with the ball. We protected the ball. And we, I mean, we were just moving down the field at will. Four touchdowns, especially that last touchdown coming with, uh, you know, I believe it was uh, under two minutes to go. A minute 40 something, I think. And not only did you get into field goal range, you got into the end zone. I mean, they, they, they looked so good. And they didn't even have to use timeouts. So that was the other thing I was impressed mm-hmm. on that, that drive right before half, not to cut you off, Scott. But they were getting out of bounds. They were executing plays, and Troy Taylor was calling plays that got players in position to make the catch, get the yardage, and get out. Yeah, oh. Yeah, from top to bottom, from the OC through the the entire team, the whole every unit looked really good. You know, by far the best game. It helps when you're playing a Colorado team that's just not that good. But uh, again, we kind of talked about it this week. The team, it's too bad the season's over because they're trending. They've been trending the last several weeks, 
in the right direction. They're getting better. The offense is becoming a lot more explosive and, most importantly, more consistent. And, uh, you know, everybody's kind of been harping on the defense this year, but and we can talk about this when we get to it, but defense statistically has had one of its best years since we joined the Pac-12 in, in a, a number of, uh, a number of uh, categories. So, overall, the team was there. Finished the six and six. Granted, really should have you should have gotten to eight wins. Probably should have beat USC, and you probably uh, you should have beat Washington. You know, and Washington State's up in the air if you don't turn the ball over seven times. So, I mean, I obviously that's the the what if game, but uh, I'm not sure we're that. I'm not sure we're as far away from being pretty dang good as we thought mid-season. Well, have, and have we ever sat here and did a, uh, done a season recap and talked about how the offense has progressed this late in the year? <laughs> now, usually by this late in the year, you know, we've the, tur- the table's overturned and we're just, <laughs> like, yelling at each other. Because it's so frustrating. The month of November has been so frustrating offensively and just the team in general. So... Uh, there's a ton of positives that uh, I think we take not only into the bowl game but into this off season. Where next year, I think we got a chance to be really good, and quite frankly, we have to be really good because there's some pressure. There's some pressure on this team per- to perform. Yes, but I mean there is not only from fans locally, but when you look at what UCLA just did in acquiring Chip Kelly, I mean that's it's not a guarantee that he's going to repeat what he did at Oregon. But it's definitely possible. Well, I, if you if you look back, obviously we've only been a part of the Pac-12 for what six years now. But if you look back, when was the last elite coach that UCLA's had? I'll wait. New Heisel. <laughs> I said elite. <laughs> no, I mean they've had some good coaches, but they have not. They have not had a Chip Kelly before. They UCLA recruits itself. Obviously, Chip's going to help that. They're going to they're going to recruit extremely well. He's going to have all the talent in the world. It's going to be easier to recruit to UCLA than it ever was to Eugene, Oregon, regardless of Nike being involved or not. So, I, obviously, the, yeah, there's no guarantee that he's going to come in and set the world on fire. But I, I would put money on it that he he will be successful at UCLA. So the South is going to be tougher. It will. It, it- and I think, and from a recruiting standpoint, the only team that could get hurt in that is USC. Now they're now they're going after the same. I mean, the the players that are looking at USC and UCLA aren't looking necessarily at Utah, Colorado. Outside, outside or, of a few fringe guys, I mean, the Jalen Johnson we got over you know over USC and and Jack Tuttle, you know, and and we've gotten some D linemen. Um, but yeah, overall, they're going to get the majority of the guys that they want year in and year out. UCLA is going to do the exact same thing. And then your Arizonas, your Utah, your Colorados, and all the teams in the north are going to kind of scrape for uh, for all the other Southern cal- talent. But uh, I, I think... I think USC is going to remain to be USC. See, and I think at the end of the day, though, like what, what you're saying is U- UCLA recruits itself. 
I think no matter who's the coach at, at UCLA, Utah has to do the things that Whittingham has in place here to continue to be successful. Oh, you bet. It doesn't matter if it's Chip Kelly or if they would have hired Gary Croton. No, but my point is they've got talent there, but that talent is always underachieved. Chip may get it to not underachieve. I mean, he could get that talent to start performing like they should. And and that's where I think it could be scary if, if he can do that. Because then UCLA almost turns into a, a USC 2.0. And, uh, and you've got two tough games every year um, within your own division that you're fighting against. And not to mention, you've still got the Arizonas and Arizona States who we have trouble with and uh, depending on what happens at ASU we'll see but um the, well, I, the south isn't getting any easier no, let's put it that but, way but i mean we'll look at it historically though i mean it's always come down to one or two games correct and so. it, and it probably will and it's good. but my my point is us getting better doesn't just put us in in the lead to win the division cuz i think everybody else is getting better too so we have to be able to still take another step to get to that championship level because we've been pretty darn good in the Pac-12 for for a few years where we've been in the driver's seat going in late in the season and we just faltered. So we're there, but we've got to continue to take a step that we just haven't done yet. And uh, as young as young of a team as we have with Huntley, the running back, we only lose uh, Leckie um, on the offensive line. So there's a lot of positives that uh, um, are in our favor to help us take that step, and we're just going to have to wait and see whether Whittingham can do it. Next year's the year to do it, though. If, I mean, Chip Kelly's not going to have his recruits there next year. No, let's hope uh, Sam Darnold and... Uh, and uh, Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen both turn pro. So, yeah, I, I agree with both of you. The Pac-12, is I think it's always going to be difficult, but that's what they signed up for when they got into a P5, right? Well, and that's what you want. I mean, you look you look back to the days of the Mountain West, and yes, it was fun always being at the top or near the top of the Mountain West, but outside of maybe two conference games a year, most of the games were gimmies, and there just wasn't as near as it, the excitement level. And yes, we all want to actually achieve that, win the South, play for the title, you know, and potentially get to a Rose Bowl. But regardless, if that's not happening, it's still a heck of a ride to be battling with uh, the rest of these teams in this conference week in and week out. So as I said, to kind of open up this segment, uh, I was very surprised that Utah came out with so much fire with with a game that was determining their their bowl life essentially because we've seen Winningham teams in the past kind of lay eggs, the defense came out just ready to stomp on Colorado. They held them scoreless in the first half, and then in the third quarter gave up a touchdown, and then another touchdown in the fourth quarter. But still, the the defense played well, and having Chase Hansen back made a big difference. His name didn't really get called a whole lot. But I think going into next year, Chase has got to hopefully play all this season without injuries because they need him back there. Okay, so let's is Chase back next year? I mean, I, I'm not trying to start a rumor I, no, or anything because there's nothing out there. But I think they're with his age, he is a return missionary. 
and his injury history, does he say, hey, while my body is still what it is, do I take a chance? I mean, we kind of saw that with Murphy. But that didn't pan years. out, though. No, it didn't. But but look, how many how many games did he miss this year? Five. Well, I, I don't think he missed a complete five games. I I think it was closer to three. But there were a number of games where he left early, and uh, you know, my my only thing was the injuries. Is they were kind of flukes. Um, either like a concussion or a stinger or something like that. But he's kind of had those fluky things all his career. True, no, but, I, but I don't think it's his body getting older. Or, I sure or hope failing. he's back. We need him, and I'd love to see him come back for a senior year. I do, I, I do wonder if there is a possibility that he puts his name in the draft and sees if anything oh, I, happens. I would definitely put my name in the draft if I'm him. Not hire an agent. Just put your name in. Start getting your name out a year ahead of time. Start figuring out where you're going to be drafted this year, and then pull your name out and come back to, to school. Yeah, if he was smart, he'd probably, he probably will do that. But uh, I kind of think that he'll be back next year. Um, I mean, you return quite a bit. Um, obviously, you lose your two big uh, guys up front, Mocha Fisi and, and Lowell. Um, Fitz, I don't really know. Do we say we lost Fitz because we really didn't have him this year? So obviously we're going to have an eye back, but it's going to be uh, uh, it's going to be important for some of these young guys to step up. Um, from uh, Devere Hamilton, who was highly recruited, uh, big name, switched to defensive end. Really haven't seen much out of him. Um, Caleb Brep, who switched from tight end, uh, played this year, and and we saw him here and there, but nothing uh, nothing. Uh, He's got to get solid. bigger to play that position. Stronger, bigger is what I mean. It's just whether he can or not, yeah. you know. And then you got Hart, and then Max Tupai, a local kid out of Murray, who was a huge get, and uh, he just hasn't been able to even see the field. So there's there's guys there, um, but as injury riddled as we were this year, and they still weren't really getting opportunities. And Nick Henninger, a walk on, is getting playing time over them. It makes you wonder. Whether was it injuries that was holding some of these guys back, or they just weren't performing and uh, getting that opportunity? But the defensive line is definitely going to be a question mark going into next year. Um, see what we can do in in the uh, in uh, with this recruiting class. But there's definitely going to be opportunities for guys to step up. I think though, when you look at, I mean, you look at the secondary, they're all young, and getting all of them back is going to be going to be huge um and i even, I even think we'll be all right at linebacker next year you lose kavika but barton has played well the last few games i think there's a chance that um hansen moves to linebacker next year because if you got blair and ballard playing safety you could you could move chase to, to linebacker and fill that role that uh, kavika is vacating now. So with any, anyway, the defensive line has got some holes to fill, but I think behind them, I think we're still in pretty good shape. Yeah. And you look across the board of the cornerback position. We're young. I think that's the most exciting part is, is the secondary is, is young. They performed well this year and we still have another three to two years with all of them. And so you got Tyrone Smith, who's coming back, who uh, sat out the year uh, due to an injury. But uh, if you remember, he made the switch 
uh, from a wide out position a year ago um, over to the um, cornerback spot. So yeah, we're young and 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 good. We're we're already good. We're already talented along along the cornerback spot. So and the secondary in general. So defensively, I like what we've got next year. Again. If you look statistically across the board, this defense played pretty well this year. Obviously, the glaring the glaring weakness that uh, that they had was their pass rush and their inability to get to the quarterback. Sack Lake City was not Sack Lake, and was, I would even say even not only sacks but but forcing turnovers. Yeah, I mean, and I got that that pressure forced a fumble, uh, which, which which was huge. Because Colorado was driving was, again, was they you know if they score, it's a ten point game, and uh, and they've got all the momentum, so that was a huge play. The problem is we we just didn't see those type of plays from the defensive line throughout the season and consistently, right? Correct. And I think the other thing with the defense is when they would get turnovers, uh, and this is just me nitpicking, and and maybe why fans we've been disappointed with the defense is when those were getting turnovers they weren't necessarily setting up short fields for the offense. And so I think when you see things like that, that things that the defense has been doing consistently under Whittingham, maybe they weren't doing as much this year, but by no means am I taking anything away from what they did. Oh, no. But I, but I think in general, there was a lot of uh, unhappy fans with the defense in general this year. And I'm not sure it was, you know, they got, it was a fair rap that they were getting. Dan Sorensen from uh, from Ute Zone put out some good information uh, today on Twitter uh, as far as this defense and really just how it ranks traditionally since we've joined the Pac-12. In total defense, it was our best season, giving up uh, an average of 353 yards a game, which was second best to 350 yards a game in 2011. Um, we we uh, allowed the, the fewest first downs uh, this season. And also the the passing D, um, only allowing 214 yards a game through the air. Um, again, well, you look at that stat right in a, in and of itself is amazing considering how much time quarterbacks had to survey the field. <laughs> but but I think that goes to our our secondary. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we were better as a secondary unit by far this year than we were last year with three seniors on the team. Two, two of which are playing in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you? I mean, Jalen Johnson, a true freshman, Blackman, who's a, uh, um, true, a sophomore. true sophomore, you know, but really getting his first significant time. And those guys just, they locked down both sides of the field. Well, and Jalen Johnson got picked on every game. Yeah. His offensive coordinators, knowing that he's a freshman, they picked on him and he stood his, he stood his ground. Yeah, well, and you you look at uh, um, Javelin Guidry, who a, tr- a true freshman came in and won the nickel job and played played well throughout the season. I think it's safe to say that Matt Gay solidified his uh, Lou Groza award. Yeah, it's gonna be nice to kind of get some diversity once in a while. Instead of winning all these red guys, we go get a Lou Groza finally. <laughs> What's up with that? He gets nominated a finalist and shanks two punts. Yeah, that was that was his worst game as a U. Yeah. He did not what, look good. And I wonder if it was because he uh, he didn't do his typical rugby, rugby style yeah. punt. If he well, and I, straight, I on. wonder if that's he's trying to 
impress, you know, trying to um, get NFL scouts. And he wasn't to get some tape though. He wasn't he doing do kickoffs either, so that was interesting. I do wonder. Matt Gay only kicked off once, but I wonder next next year for Matt Gay again for his NFL aspirations if we see him kicking off so that he can uh, again have that to show uh, NFL scouts what he's what he's able to do. But Hicken Hicken's still got a pretty good leg on him. He was booting uh, at least most of them out of the end zone. A few of them only got to the goal line. But uh, no, Matt Gay, man, that guy has has a cannon of a leg. For those of you that were at the stadium, he was kicking 70-yard field goals at halftime. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was so impressive. Colorado's kicker stopped what he was doing and was watching. Kicker on kicker love right there, baby. (laughs) But no, he's impressive. I mean, he's an absolute weapon. Who would have thought you lose Andy Phillips, you're going into the season with really unknown nobody. Well, he didn't remember. He didn't start the year. He didn't even no. get the starting job. No. It's the reason he didn't win the job in the fall is because he was so inconsistent. But for not being able to be all that consistent fall camp, as soon as he gets the job, I mean, he's been lights out, only missed three on the season, set a school record for attempts and made field goals uh, this season. Breaking and he has five Phillips. over 50 yards. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's... He's a lot of fun to watch. I'm glad as the season went on, we didn't rely as much on him. But uh, early on, he, he was probably icing his leg after every game because he's kicking so many dang field goals. But, uh, again, it's just one more weapon you add to next year's team because you're going to still have Wisnowski back, so special teams should still be elite. We do lose Booby. Did you notice Booby got one of the loudest roars? On senior uh, on senior night when they oh, walked hello. out. Oh, look at the name! He is he plays up to the fans. He he does play it up, and you know what? Credit to him. He he did a good job uh, in the punt return game. Was na- was never able to get one back to the house, but he 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 was pretty darn close a number of times, and he was exciting. And to his credit, he was sure handed with with the ball. So Booby will get another game to have an opportunity to return a punt. Uh, they are going bowling. It's kind of funny that a six and six Utah team has a potential of going to a better bowl than Arizona, who finished well above them in the Pac-12. Or how about better than a Utah team who went nine and two in the regular season a few years ago? Ended up in Vegas. And still ended up in the crap Vegas Bowl against an independent team. Uh, so here's our... That the, was rigged that year. Here's the kind of the, the rumors that are going around. Um, I'll, I'll just shoot them out real quick. Sports Illustrated has uh, the Texas Bowl against Texas. SB Nation, same thing. CBS is Texas Bowl, Kansas State. Uh, Yahoo Sports is Texas Bowl versus West Virginia. And N- NBC Sports is Liberty Bowl versus um, Iowa State. So uh, out of all of those that you just listed, those are all good quality programs, good teams. Mm -hmm. We're not playing Tulsa's. We're not playing some podunk university. Granted, yes, it's not a high-profile bowl, but outside of the Holiday Bowl and uh, the Rose Bowl, what really is that we have an affiliate to? If you look at it, though, so the, the, the Texas Bowl, it's a Big 12 SEC Bowl 
Uh, and so Utah would get in if they go to the Texas Bowl in the SEC slot. That that pays out three million to each team. Las Vegas pulls, pays out barely over a million. Larry, no, it's it's Larry an Scott's got to go. Well, <laughs> there there's a lot of things with the Pac-12 that just don't make sense, and uh, you know, and obviously, I don't think we we understand all that he has to deal with. I do think being on the West Coast, regardless of what people want to say or think, that has a factor into into some poll that you're able to do and, and contracts you're able to, to put together. But there's no doubt about it. If you look at our, our bowl lineup, it, it's not that attractive. Not very many good bowls. Hopefully the Las Vegas Bowl within an NFL stadium um, could maybe change that perception and, and that bowl could kind of grow into a, a bigger bowl um, and have a little bit more prestige to it. But there's no doubt about it. There's It's just not that attractive. So, heck, at this point, yeah, let's go outside and get a good matchup. I'd, I'd go to the Liberty Bowl again. Memphis was fun. Yeah, and we went in 03. 03, yeah. And it was one of the best, it was one of the funnest bowl games. I, I thought it was funner than the Fiesta Bowl. They put on a really good, a uh, really good bowl down there. Um, obviously, doesn't have the prestige as the Fiesta, but and some um, good eating. So, are you guys hoping for a Liberty Bowl? Let's just say that these are what's going to happen. Are you guys for Liberty Bowl versus Iowa State? I wouldn't mind. It. I mean, having been there, I I think it's a great bowl. But the Texas Bowl would be a good one as well. I'd love to go up against Texas. I would I th- love. To, I, I would, think that'd be a great matchup. I think the Texas Bowl against Texas would be. It's fun. in. It's in. Uh, isn't Houston. it? Re- isn't it Reliant Stadium? So I, I think that's a that's a great bowl. And it, as far as opponent wise, Texas, you know, they're not they're not great, but they're still a big name team. I think being able to go and beat Texas in a bowl game, uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of interest in that. But even if you're going up against a Kansas State, you know. I really don't think it, out of those options, if those do in fact come to come to fruition, I think uh, you really can't go wrong with any of those, especially as a six and six team. All right. Well, regardless of where they go, it's a Utah game. It's going to be fun. It's great that these seniors are able to get um, a bowl game their last year. And and what uh, Troy Williams says, they're the seniors get their own hotel rooms. So that's what they're looking forward <laughs> to with the bowl game. But uh, he said something about gift cards too and checks. <laughs> but in all serious, a big thank you to the Utah seniors. You know they they won a lot of games here and they've done a lot for the program. And it's unfortunate the season didn't go a little a little better for them. Uh, um, but it was a fun year. And uh, thanks to thanks to those all those guys who are moving on. And we'll definitely have a pre bowl uh, podcast uh, to kind of get you ready. Uh, for whatever bowl and whatever opponent Utah draws in the next uh, week or so. So basketball season is in full swing now. This Utah basketball team, I think they're maybe not the best team in the Pac-12, but I, I think they're looking better than what people were expecting. Well, they're definitely exceeding expectations, at least at least so far. Uh, Donnie Tillman and Justin Bibbins really have been a great acquisition for this team. And by far, probably the best players on the roster so far. Yeah, I mean, this again, going into this year, we were picked seventh in the preseason. Um, Just there was not a lot to get excited for. Obviously, losing Kuzma, 
but but this team they they seem to be exactly that a pretty good team they work well together there's not a real star although Donnie I would argue probably Donnie Tillman is quickly becoming a star um, he's got all the tools and as a true freshman he's he's shown a lot early well and I think they've had a leading score every game um, maybe not maybe not every game but through the first four games there, there hasn't were. been like a a, a solid guy every game that's our number one guy so yeah and, and even after the game against eastern washington this this past weekend uh Kuskroviak even talked about how this team was really coming together um on the court and off the court they got ran out by unlv it happened it's probably going to happen again this season yes it will they've beaten teams like eastern washington missouri Ole miss but those Missouri Eastern Washington games, I mean, they ran away from it, and I think that's where this team is so promising. Is it's not that these teams that they should beat, they're barely beating them. They're letting them hang around. They're running these teams out by halftime. No, they they've looked really good in in all of their wins. They've looked really good, especially that Missouri. I mean, Missouri obviously they were they were missing uh, Michael Porter Jr., who's the top recruit in the country, supposed to be the number one pick in the draft. He did not play, but Missouri has looked really good since. They've gotten some quality wins. They've they've run some people out of the gyms. They they had uh, West Virginia on the ropes, I believe it was last night, up up fourteen points with ten minutes to go, and actually ended up losing the game. But uh, that's a good quality win for for the Utes. Oh, and even have. Eastern Washington, they beat Stanford. They took uh, Washington down to the wire. Yes, they're a, a Big Sky opponent, kind of a middle Big Sky team, but Utah did what they needed to do. Yeah, they, they didn't let well. them hang around. They stomped them early and then ran away with it. And I think that's what we weren't expecting from this Utah team. Yeah, we probably thought they would beat Eastern Washington, but not as a big as win as what we saw. No, I... You know, as you mentioned earlier, Bibbins, I think, is the key to this team. We'll we'll only get see him for uh, one year as he's a fifth-year uh, grad transfer. Um, I just, but he is rock solid. He run, runs the team very well. He's 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 great with the possession of the ball, and I think that is huge because otherwise, if we don't have him, Bearfield would be our uh, our primary ball handler. And I have zero confidence in him handling the ball. He's not good. He's not a good decision maker. He he has way too many turnovers. So, and and I think it allows him to play his his strength, which is more of a shooting guard role, and no, coming off screens, play off the ball, play more. off the ball. And uh, so I think Bibbins, the addition of him, is is huge. And and then next year we've got some we've got some a great recruiting class coming in. So, um, no early on, Jace Johnson's looked uh, he's looked better. Donnie Tillman, if you haven't seen him yet, you gotta you gotta get out and watch him. He's gonna be an absolute star. Six seven uh, small forward. He can rebound. Um, he's great down low. He's got some post moves. Haven't really seen a, a three point shot from him yet, but. Uh, um, he's extremely athletic and, and he's getting a lot of minutes. You know, if there's one guy I'm maybe a little disappointed in, I'm not trying to call anyone out, but David Collette has not started this season off very well. I think well. you're calling him out. He had a, a, a very good game against Easter Washington, but before that, he, 
I expected more out of a senior. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, Colette's a good player, but he is kind of what he is. You know, he's not going to be a highlight reel. For, for a 6'11 guy, he plays below the rim and uh, pretty average defensively and really doesn't get all that many rebounds. But uh, but he's fairly consistent down low scoring. He was awful against UNLV, but pretty much everybody on the team was awful against UNLV. Bounced back and, and played really well. Had uh, 20 first half points uh, against Eastern Washington. So, but he's gonna be he's gonna have to be a catalyst on this team to uh, to to be a consistent scorer because as you mentioned earlier, there really isn't that guy that you can say, oh, okay, he's gonna give us 14, 15 points per game. You know, Beeler has the opportunity every once in a while to have a big game. Same with Bearfield. You know, even your your Donnie Tillmans. Um, but you're going to have to consistently get, uh, get points out of both Rawson and Collette and Rawson for as much as, uh, we, we all have liked to bag on Rawson. No, not we all, you, I mean the fan base. <laughs> oh, okay. And yeah, I, uh, are you, are you in his corner, Cameron? I've oh. always been in Rawson's corner. Okay. Cam, Cam's always in everybody's corner. A big man that can shoot the three. Why not? Well, he he struggled last year, but he has been he's been really good this year. Um both at, at really at both ends. Um which is which I think is the biggest the big surprising point is how well he's done defensively and and uh, on the board. So, yeah, at at the very least this team is not going to win the Pac-12. Um but but they're already a lot funner to watch than I I expected. And uh, Larry has said multiple times they already have better chemistry than they, than at any point did last year's team. So um, I think they're going to be fun to watch. They're going to surprise some people. And I would not be surprised if they can sneak in maybe a top four finish in the Pac-12 because Arizona is just lost three games in a row. They went from being ranked number two to not being ranked. Um, Stanford's it, awful. That's a pretty sight too. Oh, it and, is. Uh, Cal looks like they're they're down. Cal's garbage, absolutely garbage. Um, you know, Stanford's a huge disappointment. Oregon State's Oregon State. Oregon's going to be good. Um, Arizona, Arizona State, State, State I think still undefeated. They're probably the surprise team um, in the conference. Will they be able to sustain it? Come into Pac-12 play, we'll find out. But um, the Pac-12 is definitely looking a little bit different this year than kind of what you uh, what we have seen over the last several years, and and I would suspect as much talent as Arizona has on that team, whether they got it legitimately or paid for it, um, they do have a lot of talent, and they'll probably figure some some things out and and get rolling again. But it uh, it does it does warm the soul to see uh, to see them lose three straight and that fan base go turn on them pretty quick <laughs> all right and even though football you know is coming to a close we'll still keep um this podcast going like we've done in years past and, and continue to cover basketball uh we do have some um a couple of post-game interviews uh with coach larry kaskroviak so you can check that out at our home at utahmanpodcast.com uh ryan where can people find you on twitter at drum and feather drum the letter n feather and scott uh, you can find me at Uteman underscore forever. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. And you want to make sure that you're subscribing to us on your favorite podcatcher, 
such as iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play. We will be continuing, as I said, with basketball coverage, but with the signing day coming up for football on December 20th, we will continue to keep talking about recruiting and football, and we'll have special guests on. So if you want to stay up to date with recruiting, make sure you subscribe and like us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And you can always catch our podcast at our home at utahmanpodcast.com and go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.